Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and I'm very excited to have a Arab American Psycho favorite back on the podcast. She is the CEO and co-founder of my favorite skincare brand, Do. Welcome back to the show, Charlotte Palermino. I am so thrilled to be here. <laughs> Do we say where we are? We can say exactly where we are. Live from Noor's bedroom. Live from my bed. And you know what? <laughs> Honestly, I'm not going to lie. We have been sitting down on my couch for several hours talking about things that we probably should have just recorded. And then I was like, oh. Maybe not the first bit. <laughs> should we record? Definitely not the first two hours. Not even the first part. Just the first two hours. Um, but that's for the Patreon, no. But I, I'm just like, oh, should we, should we record the podcast? Like, And you're like, yeah, you mean the literal thing that you is your responsibility? Yeah, we should do it. Norma. We should do it. We should do it. And I'm like. It's funny because even before we started recording, mm-hmm. Charlotte's sitting here telling me about productivity and the toxicity around that with, you know, would we say Gen Z? Well, ultimately, it all comes from like when you look at different policy structures. I'm reading this incredible book, Work Won't Love You Back. <laughs> and because I really, I got really obsessed with work. I think during the pandemic, I think that once I left my tech job, you know, I really felt like I lost a bit of my identity. because. Yeah. People ask you, they don't ask you, how are you? They ask, what do you do? do? What do you do? And so when you say a big name brand, then people can put you in that box and you don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to be anything outside of that. And that is your identity. And that is a very scary thing that as an entire generation, that is what we're told. And like, we wonder why the world is the way it is. And we have hyperconsumption, depression, like all these things. And I I truly believe it's because we aren't creating like communities and because work largely isolates you, right? It's about getting that promotion. It's Mm -hmm. about getting further ahead. And especially when you look at women in the workplace, there's usually only that one spot. There's only that one. So we always have to prove something. We have to prove something, but also you find that people step over each other versus men sometimes where it's more like community based, a little bit more so at work, right? More I, I would say like a pack of wolves, oh, absolutely. but, um, but it's like with women, like as I worked in magazines, sometimes it was, you know, people tearing each other down. And then when you were in tech, you didn't see any women in the C-suite. So if you wanted to be the C-suite, then you had to basically fight. And so I'm not saying that that's always what happens at every work environment, but it's incredibly isolating. And then there's the concept of, oh, well, you're going to have it all. You're going to get married. You're going to have kids. You're then going to have this job. And the book talks about how, like, even cleaning the house, that's unpaid labor. Yeah. And the reality is that if you weren't doing it, somebody would be getting paid to do it. And then when you're paying that person, are you actually paying them enough? Because then they go home and then they then clean for the because they're not affording a cleaner because they're the cleaner. And it just starts making you spiral. But I'm spiraling really, right now. But it's, really about, but it's really about this concept of like neoliberalism and that work equals fulfillment and how so many administrations have kind of promoted this idea. And like, if you actually look at Nixon, and I can't believe I'm going to say something nice about President Nixon. <laughs> like, God help me. But, I'm like, this is a plot twist. But there was like a moment where you know, women that were at home raising children, that is a really hard job. All of my friends that are stay-at-home moms, like, I respect that Mm -hmm. work because it is work. Mm -hmm. And you don't get a break. Yeah, no, That baby cries in the middle of the night. That child cries in the middle of the night. You don't get to, like, tap out. No, you're literally, like, a doctor, like, on call. Like, there's never, like, oh, at 5 p.m. And nobody thanks you. Yeah, no, 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 no. Literally, the hospital's after 
It's like not even that nobody thanks you. In fact, people probably just make you feel really bad and inadequate. Precisely. They're like, oh. And like for me, it's like I have nothing but respect. I'm like, wow, you're like raising like the future generation. Like, thanks. And keeping another human alive. I mean, which is like sometimes those kids, I'm like, they move so fast. They do They can't even walk. They can't. And yet they do so much. And they grab things. They put it in their mouth. Anyways, children, they're tough. Um, (laughs) Adorable. But I mean, like all the respect to, to the people raising children out there. And so this basically Nixon, there was like a brief moment where they were almost going to like basically have like a tax credit mm-hmm. or like a salary okay. for women that had kids at home. It never went through, obviously. Obviously. Because like welfare queen, like Yay. the most like shitty racist. Yeah. Reagan, then Reagan yeah. came in and literally just this neoliberalism, like Reaganism, like type of like economics where it's like greed is almost you know, a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and just kind of this idea of, like, you get your fulfillment through work and, like, your work is your family and all these kinds of, like, really, like, no, because your family doesn't fire you if, like, you miss a quarterly <laughs> earning. You know what I mean? No, they or don't. Or it's, like, if you have a death in the family, usually a family right. will understand. Yes, yes, But at yes. work, they'll fire you if you don't come back within yeah. your bereavement period, if there even is a bereavement policy. And even if you do, they'll probably, again, make you feel bad. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's really kind of changing my mind about how I approach work, but also like my obsession with wanting to constantly output. Yeah. And it's like, I'm very good at output, but I've actually stopped in the last like three months focusing only on really do yeah. like, you know, people who follow me that I'd be like, Hey, like why is Charlotte producing less content? And it's like, I'm trying to like actually live a little bit yes. more, but also that is inspiring me for more things that I do want to talk about okay. like this, for example, yeah. but even things about beauty culture and about things that are really bothering me within the industry and the space that I can really have the headspace to even see yeah. and read about because I'm not constantly trying to like, like, Oh, that's content. That's content. That's content. And commodifying every element of my life. So you're finding that it's inspiring because here's the thing. I've I've taken I feel a, like I just made it a productivity thing. No, yeah. Which is a sickness. You, you it's have, a sickness. It, it is a sickness, and I have the same sickness, and I'm doing a thing where I'm trying to like be kind to myself and like listen to myself, and I know that so I'm hard. feeling burnt out, and so I know that I need a little bit of break. So I've given myself that break, and I'm like, the inspiration is gonna come, but the inspiration is not coming. I just seem to That's be okay. very tired. And I'm like, why am I so tired? I usually do so many more things. But again, it is the residual burnout that I'm still dealing with. So it's like, it's so fucked up that my brain is immediately going to like... Well, when you really hit burnout, it takes two years to recover. So the (laughs) ultimate goal is to never actually hit burnout. I don't know that I actually hit burnout. I don't think you have. But but the thing is, is that if you're toying with fire and then you light yourself on fire, we don't like that. No, we don't. So, I mean, from my perspective, I'm trying to sleep more. I'm also trying to like be really open and just like honestly just... I put away my phone on the weekends. Yeah. Like something as simple as that where it's like, I can't be trusted with that little, that little box that I adore. I'm addicted to. When I'm with people, I don't know if you've noticed, I probably have touched my phone one time. I, but we do the same. Do you know we go through the same thing? Yes. Yes. Is this why we're friends? This is the Me and Charlotte are the same person. We're literally different fonts. One is French. One is Palestinian. It's fine. (laughs) Um, but no, honestly, like I just, I, I'm always on my phone when I'm alone but I realize when I'm with another person, I hate my phone. I don't even want I find it to disrespectful. be on. I find it disrespectful, but also I'm like, if I check my phone, it's going to accept it. It's going to remind me of things that people want me to do. Maybe things I don't even need to do, but and I'm going to feel like I need to do the things mm-hmm. and like I need to not do something and just enjoy. Take you out of the moment. Enjoy this time that I'm spending with my friend. We're catching up. We're talking about what we've been up to and 
why am I going to now distract myself and think about some other shit or something that someone else needs from me or like an email that I need to respond to? Because let me tell you, I still get work emails on Saturdays. I mean, I have a strict policy at do. We have a very strict policy. Like I am like, unless if it's like truly like something like broke in such an insane way and I can't fix it. It's like, cause ultimately like I find it's like, I am the CEO. So when like, when, you know, push comes to shove, I am going to have to be the person on call if something goes like totally sideways. And I do know enough about our website infrastructure and things like that. Please don't, I hope the site doesn't break tomorrow. I really don't enjoy it tomorrow. I didn't even bring my computer home with me. That's how, that's how tyrannical I'm Good. Getting. It's like, I'm I do shit leaving. like that. So I'm I can leaving. stop myself. Well, because I think that ultimately it's like, you know, how we talk about set boundaries yeah. with others yeah. and clearly communicate with others. Yeah. Do it with yourself and set a literal boundary because you cannot be trusted with yourself. Wow, I'm realizing this is a. I'm having. I'm setting boundaries with myself. I'm literally having an existential crisis right now because <laughs> I'm literally realizing I'm like I'm so great at setting boundaries with other people. I'm not great at setting boundaries with yourself. myself. You've never tried it because I literally am like, well, if I'm not like falling over, like I'm fine. Like if I'm not dying, like yeah, well, I, I can do it. I think also it's like when I look at kind of like how I was raised and like a lot of how my parents spoke to me, it's like anytime I would complain about something, they'd be like, you should be so grateful for what you have. Like you have food on the table. Yeah. Like stop whining about yeah. these little things. And it's like, I do think that practicing gratitude is incredibly important, right. but also it's totally okay to have just a really bad day right. and like sit in that. Yes. And so I find that what I do as like a self-soothing mm-hmm. mechanism mm-hmm. is I bury myself in work. Interesting. And so because work distracts you. And it also makes you feel good sometimes. Yes, because you feel like you're doing something rather than actually just dealing with the emotion or dealing with the thing. And so I'm really – guys, can you tell? I'm like, I've been in therapy for four months. Yeah, we're we're reading books. We're listening to podcasts. (laughs) We're listening to podcasts. We're reading books. We're we're going to therapy. Things are good. We're talking about our feelings. We're setting boundaries. Yeah, no, but it's like I honestly – it's like – and, you know, do has been doing – incredibly well but more importantly I don't feel as on edge all the time like obviously there are bad days obviously there are days where things don't go well or where I'm upset but I'm like you know another thing that I realized is that when I overwork myself Mm -hmm. I then take it out on everybody else subconsciously where I will be like well you're not working as hard as me I'm like well what but also am I working hard or am I just doing all this busy work or am I being smart about how I'm approaching this should I actually just hire somebody and should I just ask for help that's weird. Like we just started hiring this year, which was really, um, I love seeing your team grow. Right. Yeah. And like, we have such an amazing team, but like, I really blame myself last year for not, you know, we have these scarcity mindsets and I think, you know, for me and like, especially with me and Joyce, it's like, we, we talk about this a lot about how Joyce is my co-founder along with Marta, but we talk about scarcity mindsets and it's like, when you maybe didn't have like tons of money or mm-hmm. if you had a moment where you didn't have any money, which definitely happened to me at some points in my career where mm-hmm. I actually was like, Oh, rent. Yeah. How no, COVID, that, that, that was COVID the first time. And year I know COVID that I'm so me. much yeah. luck. And I know I'm so much, I'm so lucky on so many levels because, you know, I've never experienced like true scarcity, but like, you know, it's like my parents like haven't given me like a yeah. time. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, it's like the university and then they're like, you're on your own, which and that's why I went to McGill because yeah. it's free. Yeah. But again, that scarcity mindset. Yeah. Like I never wanted to be in debt. I never yes. wanted to do those things. So I made a lot of decisions to ensure that like those things wouldn't happen. I was lucky enough to have my French citizenship. Mm-hmm. You go to McGill, it's like basically free. Yeah. And so anyways, like all that to say, it's like with these scarcity mindsets and this idea of like accumulate, 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 don't spend because what if there's like a bad day? Yeah. 
then we just worked ourselves to the bone. Yes. We didn't expand. We didn't hire. And we ended up giving Mr. Taxman a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so it's really like um, the real, the, what the learning is in that very long story is that asking for help actually makes you better and stronger. It's and so not funny weak because, because we're taught that asking for help makes you weak. And I also think that like, again, a lot of parallels in our personalities, I very much like to not feel indebted to people. I like to be able to just get things done myself. I'm just like, I know how I want it to be. So I'm just going to do it myself. And I have been talking about this for months. You've heard me speak mm-hmm. about it. I'm like, I need to hire an assistant. I need to hire an assistant. And I do need to hire an assistant, but you there do. is, there is that scarcity, like kind of little fucking voice in the back of my head. That's like, are you sure you want to do that? Nor mm-hmm. are you sure? And the reality is that you're going to hire this person. They're going to make your life easier. So not only are you going to enjoy your life more, and that actually is worth the investment because we have such a short time on this earth. And with the rapid increase of climate change, it might be a little bit shorter. It might be a little bit shorter, guys. So live your y'all, life. Y'all, if you read the UN's IPCC report, let me tell you. If there's something you want to do, I would say do it soon. Do it soon. There will be water wars. Not in to be years. super morbid, but we're pretty fucked. You know that? You know that? Uh, that documentary, <laughs> that movie, Don't Look Up. Oh my God. It's a documentary. I didn't, I didn't hate it as much as a lot. A lot of people really hated it. And I was like, why do we hate this movie so much? I thought it was fine. But also it is just very much a documentary of like what we were experiencing. No, and I think that's the thing. It's like it was almost exhausting to watch because you're like, I, like it's supposed to be a dramatization and you're like, this is just accurate. And I feel like it didn't feel that dramatic. It didn't feel that dramatic. It you felt like, like, no, yeah, yeah, this is going to happen. Like Jennifer Lawrence screaming, we're all going to die is like, I'm like, I'm relatable. Yeah. Um, but all I say, not there's no hope. Like obviously there are tons of things we can do. The thing that the IPCC report really came out with at the end is that we just need to reduce global emissions. Mm-hmm. That is the number one thing. So mm-hmm. as a company for do, yeah. we're shifting over everything to that. Yes. We're still looking at microplastics and all of that. But the reality is the earth will boil way before we die from yes. microplastics. Yeah. So do not let the earth boil. It's like number one goal mission. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. I'm like, it's... Because your laugh as a defense mechanism. Yeah, no, that's me being like, ha the earth is going to boil, LOL. Because you're literally trying to calm yourself yeah, yeah, down yeah, yeah, and yeah. laughter is calming yeah. you down. But yeah, no, it's some scary shit. And so I, I, I read the report, the condensed version, because it's like, you know, really dense. I read like the 36-page like policymaker one. And the policymaker one just over and over and over again was like, give more power to indigenous mm-hmm. people. Let indigenous people like actually like teach us things and then reduce your fucking emissions. And so that's why with the war in Ukraine and seeing the increase in oil production, it's really, um, that's why you're seeing like scientists crying outside of Chase Bank. Did you yeah. see that video? I did. And I, I, okay, well I saw it in a TikTok with no context. So at first I was confused. I, I was confused. You thought, it was, you thought it was an outtake from Don't Look Up? I don't know what I thought it was. I was, I was like doing the thing where you're like kind of like just scrolling and you're like yeah. not really paying attention to what you're, it was just like a scroll. You yeah. know, I was just doing a little scroll and I was like, what the fuck am I looking at? And then I obviously read through all the comments. First there was like the comments of like, what the fuck is going on? And then I would like read that thread. And then I finally was able to find out what I was actually looking at. And I was like, oh, this is concerning. It was so basically for those who didn't see the video, it were it was a group of scientists, NASA scientists, no mm-hmm. less, weeping outside of a Chase bank, begging the administration, the Biden administration, they were protesting to stop fossil fuel production because basically we're at a critical point right now. We've been at a critical point. And if we do not reduce fossil fuel production, then we are basically, um, well, for 
watch don't look up. Yeah, like we're basically like confirming that like we're all fucked. Well, or more that like we that we only react right when it's happening to us. We're not being and proactive. Then it's too late. Yes. Yes. And I think that that's that's basically where it's like asking for help and like mm-hmm. all these things I'm talking about. It's that I'm so reactive right mm-hmm. now as like a as a like anything. It's like I don't I'm not planning because I'm just in kind of like production mode. Yeah. And so when you have more help and you have more space to mm-hmm. think, you can be less reactive and, and more like thoughtful and more thoughtful. And so maybe that's what the world No, yeah. And I'm like, mm, you know, how do we transfer this over to fossil fuel production? Like, for example, being proactive would have been investing like, you know, 20 years ago in more green energy production or at least investing in it now. And we can't even get it through because they've tied it to the wrong bill. I don't want to get into that. It's like also just like, yeah, I'm really disappointed. It's super disappointing. But honestly, like anything that like nothing else matters that I see specifically on like NPR, like I know it's going to be upsetting. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I know this is going to upset me. So I kind of go into it being like, this is going to upset me. Mentally prepared for that. Mm -hmm. I read it. I'm like, hmm. Because, like, like we're a brand, right? And so you have to come to a realization, like, and for everybody that's listening to this, like, any brand that's telling you that you are sustainably consuming something, (laughs) just just leave. It's just bad marketing. It's marketing based, like, on the, the most base of emotions, which is your fear, and it's not fair for brands to do that. Brands should try and be sustainable, not as a marketing tactic, because it's the fucking right thing to do. It's the right thing to do, exactly. And also, it's like, there's a limit to your sustainability. So we're actually doing a lot of overhauling with our packages, Mm -hmm. because we're all, like, panicked, as we should be. And, you know, we've tried from the beginning to be as sustainable as possible, but now the number one goal is very clear. Mm -hmm. Reduce emissions. Yeah. Reduce emissions, reduce emissions. And so when you have that goal and you can measure it, and it's actually much more... There's much more clarity. Mm-hmm. And so we worked with this company called Bluebird Climate Change, and we measured all the carbon footprints of our packaging. Okay. And then we looked at it vis-a-vis other forms of packaging. Yeah. Also looking at microplastics. And then we found that, like, basically there is a material that's quite great for what we're doing. Okay. Again, it's going to vary from brand to brand. I do not think there is a one-size-fits-all. One size all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't want to neg other brands or what they're using or whatever, but I do find it absolutely maddening, and I want to scream into an abyss when anybody says that glass is super sustainable and it's so much better. I'm like, please, you... Man, do I walk into the ocean? I, I, I literally... Screaming now? I feel like I, you were one of the first people I heard, like, bringing that, like, hey, by the way, like, you know how everyone is saying glass is, like, really sustainable? Like... According to whom? Literally based on what? Think, well, it's because people um, market to our assumptions and also nature fallacies mm-hmm. and things like that. And also glass and is like, pretty. And at the end of the day, I do not know how many times I can fucking repeat this. Fossil fuels are fucking natural. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's automatically yeah. good. Yeah. And so, anyway, so we did all these, like, we did all this analysis, et cetera. So for us, our number one goal is reducing carbon emissions because that's literally what, like, all every agency is saying. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing we should be focusing on. So I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to listen to the experts. And so, and also while looking at all the other matrices. And so that's, like, our number one goal. We're going to be switching a lot of the packaging that you're seeing. We're going to be switching a lot of the stuff to actually recycled materials. Okay. Um, particularly in the aluminum space. Because aluminum when it's mined is pretty fucking awful for the environment. Huge emissions. Huge emissions. Not to talk about child labor. So we're moving away from a lot of that. Just if you get recycled, though, it's it's way more expensive. Um, And so, you know, that's like one thing that we're going to just eat the cost on. Yeah. Um, And then we're exploring like refillable models. We're exploring very large sizes. I've heard about these large sizes. And I'm interested Mm -hmm. because also Charlotte, 
stepped into my bathroom where she found up a found a crumbled up mangled remains of my instant angel moisturizer. It's like, the, it's like the memory of a moisturizer. The way I look like a meth addict just trying to get you that last really, bit out. It's like, it's impressive though. Oh, no, no. I, I see how organized you are oh, because the way that you meticulously folded that, you yeah. didn't have a squeeze key. Oh, no, no. I literally, it was like a whole thing. I took my um, hand soap dispenser and I used it to roll you know, mm. I used it to really just like aggressively Squish roll it. And then that wasn't enough for me. So then I went over it by folding it. And then, mm. and then that wasn't enough for me. So then I started folding in the opposite you direction. You have a career in origami. I have something. And you have something. I have, de- you have something, something and it's not instant angel. And it's definitely. You don't have any more of that. No, I mean, I will say, I, I kept telling Charlotte, I'm like, it's fine. I'm going to get the rest out tomorrow. I'm going to cut it open with like, scissors. ma'am, I'm going to, you have a problem. I'm going to bring some. She was like, tomorrow. I will literally give you some. You don't need to do this. Mind no. you, I have no less than 30 bottles of moisturizer sitting in my cabinet right instant now. Instant angel. Instant angel. No, she's, I, she's special. I mean, I think I my, mean, Joyce is so good. my audience knows that like, I will never say that I love something unless I actually do. And the the way I've spoken about it has been scary. Mm. I feel like any time I have mentioned it, it's like I'm scratching my arm. You know what I mean? Like I'm like literally well, like, like Joyce is a moisturizer whisperer. So Joyce, for those who aren't familiar with her, she's um, one of my co-founders. She used to be a formulator at SkinCeuticals, La Roche-Posay, um, Kiehl's. She's done a lot of patents. She's brilliant. Um, and she's really thoughtful about formulas. And the way that we structured our business, which is very different from other businesses, is that we're like, all right, you're the chemist, you're the scientist, come up with the formula. Yeah. This is like basically like what we think makes up like a good skincare line because mm-hmm. I'm an esthetician. I'm like, this is, I think, what people, as a baseline, you need a dermatologist advisor. Right. As a baseline, you need this. These are things that I think that you need for like really good like barrier reinforcement. Like I really don't don't think that people take care of their barriers enough. Mm-hmm. I think that people use a lot of exfoliating acids and then like they use like a hyaluronic acid serum and then they walk out into the world and I'm like, why are you doing this mm-hmm. to yourself? And so for us, it's like we want skin to be cozy and comforted and reinforced and just healthy. Yeah. And so um, and so basically then she just comes up with formulas. And so it's not a marketing department dictating to her trending ingredients. You know, there's an entire skincare industry that has reports that looks at what ingredients people are Googling and they'll start just churning out formulas based off what you're Googling. I mean, that's and that doesn't, But it doesn't, they don't look at like, and the thing is, is that you, stability matters. Mm-hmm. Like I see so many ingredients and I'm like, that formula is like chunky and weird. There's no guarantee that what you actually bought is in the bottle yeah there's no test that's no. required from skincare companies no. to ensure that your tranexamic acid your vitamin c your retinol mm-hmm. all these things can be destabilized yep. ingredients and can degrade mm-hmm. these are if these are active ingredients they can become inactive yeah and i don't see enough brands doing the due diligence on stability and they're just churning out these formulas with like ingredients where i'm just like it's really great glycerin yeah which don't get me wrong i love glycerin yeah but it's like people then are like why doesn't this work and i'm like because it's likely degraded or yeah this retinol it's at one percent it's so gentle it's degraded it's probably at point zero zero one percent yeah no, and it's like I feel like the consumer is becoming smarter, but mm-hmm. also brands, like you said, are marketing way more aggressively now. It's like mm-hmm. they know that something is trending right now. They're going to push that product Come as down. quickly as possible. And it's like I think that it's also like uh, contributing to me not wanting to talk about skincare as much anymore, which I haven't been because there is just so many products floating around at all times. I'm like. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. I'm like, I'm going to talk about something if I love it, but like, 
you gotta pass the test. Like, I, I can't mm-hmm. just be like, look at this new moisturizer. Look at, the, I'm like, I can't be just like going hand in hand with these brands, like constantly yelling about shit. It's like, why don't we just try it and like see what happens? Do they try it even? Like, well, it's like for Instant Angel, we did like this really intense um, clinical study, which we're gonna be, we're trying to like figure out how to data visualize it because we just had an art director start, which is so exciting. <gasps> oh my god, that is and really exciting. And also, like, she's super talented, so cool. So, we're really excited about that. But, um, and we're trying to see that, but it's like with us, it's like we're really trying to do that due diligence on like claims validation. Mm-hmm. But I really want consumers to think about claims validation beyond just the formula. If a brand's making a claim on the packaging, if a brand is making a claim on sustainability, if a brand is making a claim on ethics, like how are you measuring that? Yeah. And so for sustainability, nothing irritates me more than these. Um, carbon neutral mm-hmm. seals or is net zero carbon emissions because a lot of the times they're just buying carbon credits and buying carbon credits just means that you're you have shitty practices and then you're buying the credits from somebody else that has better practices mm-hmm. you're not actually reducing your carbon emissions. i remember the first time i actually like looked into that because a brand and then there's tree planting yeah. which it depends like with tree planting young trees actually absorb far more carbon than older trees okay but a lot of them are on lumber yards so they're monoculture crops and are you taking down old growth forests or wetlands or past like you know things that you know we could have just actual ecosystems to make these things so it's just again it's just that like for me I'm like this isn't like people talk about us like we're a sustainable brand and quite frankly it makes me a little bit uncomfortable I'm like it's like saying you're the best of the trash I mean, I'm the sh- like I'm the best of the trash is what I. I would I would not word. describe do as the best of the trash. But like for our packaging, all packaging becomes trash eventually. Right, right. So be the best trash that you can yes, be. Yes, yes, no, a thousand percent. And also, that's our like, motto: be the best trash. As you can see, I don't throw away do trash. I just keep my my tube of moisturizer forever. Yeah. And I will you say, the eye masks, the eye masks. I did see the video. The eye masks, the original ones that I got years ago at this point. I still have them. They work. Like, they actually, like, and also... They, they actually don't degrade. Like, that's and that's the thing. thing. They don't degrade. And also, like, the design hasn't even fucking faded and that much. We, we said that because ours, like, on some of the initial prototypes they did. But, like, I remember an investor who, like, passed on us was like, what? So, like, you're not... I'm, I'm also making up this voice. Did yeah, not yeah. sound like this. I'm making this up. I am embellishing here. It's like, <laughs> what? Like, you're not going to have, like, consumers... Like, you should tell them that it, like, you know, after, like, 12 uses or you know, 20 uses, no. you need to buy a new one. And I was like, well, now I can, now that I think about it, I'm like, wait a minute, we did the carbon analysis. Mm-hmm. It takes 11 uses of the forever eye mask to mm-hmm. basically equal the, like basically come at like an inflection point for where it becomes on like a higher, sorry, a lower carbon emission okay. than an eye mask, okay. a traditional eye mask, yeah. looking at biocellulose, cloth, mm-hmm. like all the different ones. And so the fact that you can use it for years mm-hmm. is actually the thing that is like really exciting. Yeah. And your carbon emission goes down yes. significantly. No, I've literally, the only reason I have another pair is because you came out with the tattoo one. So I have those. So mm-hmm. sometimes I'll, you know, what mood am I in? Do I want the original? Yeah. Do I want the tattoo one? We're thinking about selling them without the tins. We're going to be redoing the tins. If there's less material. Like also I think taking up less space. So much in beauty with packaging is about taking up space. So if you have a serum bottle and it looks enormous and then you see a tiny little baby serum bottle, stop looking at the size of your serum bottle. Only look at volume. Yeah. It's all consumer perception. And so my my degree in university was poli-sci, um, 
global strategy, whatever the fuck that was, and marketing. But marketing actually is probably one of the most useful ones because I was sitting in these classes and I was like, holy shit, this is trickery. Yeah. I'm like, you're using psychology. Mm -hmm. And so even just seeing something being heavier or looking bigger, consumers will have a higher perception of the product. And that's why glass bottles, if you you were telling people, these are sustainable and they look pretty and they feel great. They feel substantial and luxurious in your hand and like... I love skincare in the way that, yeah, like I think, but that's the thing. You don't have you, to, if we want to have to make we it need to get beyond that, we but need you to don't need it. to have like a hefty bottle that's big and bulky. Yeah. In fact, I find that those are annoying because they take up an unnecessary amount of space and my medicine cabinet that it's because it's actually a retail place. Yeah, so yeah. when you're in a store in retail and you look at two bottles and one looks bigger mm-hmm. and they have the same ingredient, mm-hmm. like highlight heroes, yeah. then people actually grab, you feel like you're getting that. more for your money. Yeah, it's really dark um, and it's very intentional. And so what really frustrates me is like when I see these really big elaborate, like quite frankly, it could be fragrance bottles from brands like we are sustainable and we love the planet and we're so eco-conscious and like fuck plastic. And it's like, don't get me wrong. Yes, fuck plastic. But it's actually more like fuck humans that didn't figure out a way to actually recycle this material that really doesn't have any morality. Yeah. Like you should actually be going after your local governments and mm-hmm. you should be going after the government, mm-hmm. not the actual material itself. And like, that's the thing. Like we blame companies, but at the end of the day, it's like we should be blaming the government for not actually yeah. recycling infrastructure. And so I don't know, it all kind of like feeds itself. And like, I just, I just really want consumers to just constantly be thinking about claims validation. Yeah. How did you get to that statement? Because once you start asking that question, it actually breaks down so many marketing claims. Like when people talk about coral reef safe sunscreen, mm-hmm. how'd you get to that claim? You know that zinc, when you put at the same levels of all these other toxic coral reef ones, it also bleaches coral reefs. Everything will bleach coral reefs when you put it at like a thousand times what you find it in the local environment. And in France, they actually say that zinc is ecotoxic, especially if it's uncoated. And then Interesting. here... And then because the coating protects yeah. the aquatic life yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. from zinc, which zinc, if humans have too much, we become super yes. ill. Yes. But it's, not, it's not going to get absorbed. Yeah, I, don't want, yeah, yeah. I don't want to make it. No, no, no. Not eat it, but it's yeah. not like if you take yeah. a supplement. Yeah, yeah. Like no one is telling you to like fucking. No, no, no. no sunscreen is yeah. not going to do that. No, sunscreen is yeah, yeah. not going to do that to you. Yeah. Please don't misconstrue that. Yeah. But it's more what I'm saying is that all these companies are making all of these claims on coral reef safe sunscreen. And the reality is, is that like they could be having an effect on the coral reefs. But the reality is if one is, then they all are. Mm-hmm. So to preach morality and superiority, it's just really fucked up to me because you are teaching people to be scared. You are teaching people to be ashamed of the purchase that they bought, blaming consumers for bleaching the quotes yeah. and not fossil fuel companies. And politicians then are getting asked by constituents to then pass coral reef safe sunscreen laws. And then they get a fucking pat on the back for doing jack shit versus what they should be doing, which is regulating fossil fuel companies. Yeah. And that is why I get so fucking mad about things in beauty because it has real world ramifications. People always tell me, why are you so political? And I'm like, because I, I, I work in business. Business is you're, political. You're not like going to cover your eyes and act like this isn't happening. But business, I, I'm like, but business decisions are political. And I think because we, we've been operating under this assumption that you have to like separate the two, that's why we are where we are. 
I mean, like, let's just put it to you. People love to say let's not get political. Like, they'll be like, oh, where are you from? I say Palestine. They'll say let's not get too political. I'm like, I literally just told you where I was from. You're from there. Yeah, like, I'm like, we're not. But that's the thing. People, if anything makes them uncomfortable, Mm. that is their go-to. Why are you being political? I'm uncomfortable by what you're saying. Don't get so political. You're like, my hair's brown. Don't be so political. Don't be so political. That's what I'm saying. I'm just like. Do you not want to know what's happening? I know it can feel overwhelming, but like mm. at the same time, it's like, would you rather just not know? And I, I think another thing that skincare brands do that like started really pissing me off is like they were putting the burden of sustainability on the consumer. Oh, every little bit helps. And I'm like, this, I'm sorry, every consumer could do every fucking little thing that they want. And yes, that'll probably make a difference. I'm not saying not to do it, but like at the end of the day, the responsibility and the big difference that's going to happen is not via the consumer. And also, like, quite frankly, every little bit helps in your local government. Yes. Every little bit helps in literally, like, yeah. organizing. Yeah. That's why I gave all my money to Stacey Abrams because, like, literally, like... I mean, she is a queen losing, of organizing. And it's, it's like losing the right to vote. Like, that's a really yeah. that's a really scary thing if, like, actual people are not going to be able to vote anymore. Yeah. So, I don't know. From my perspective, it's not that, like... For me, I do want to hear, like, I actually do want, like, I'm, we're trying to be as open-minded as possible, et cetera. Like, if you tell me that fossil fuel emissions are great, we're probably not going to get along. But you know what I mean? Like, I know that different people have different, like, you know, elements they can, like, yeah. contribute. Like, yeah. also, I'm coming from a place of extreme privilege. So, like, you know, sometimes, like, you know, I don't fully understand situations. Right. So you always should be listening and learning and growing um, and always being accountable and saying when you are wrong. But it's like, there are certain things where I'm just like in the beauty industry, which is, you know, largely, you know, run by extremely privileged people. Yeah. And you're, and you, you see like them being like, buy more vintage clothing. And you're like, ah, and that's the other thing. Like, I, I just, I'm just going to throw, like, I, I keep talking about walking into the sea. I think I need a beach vacation. <laughs> Honestly, my mom also I'm talks just... a lot about walking into the sea, but it gets more morbid because she's like, I don't know how to swim. And I'm like, oh, that's, oh, that's we're going to walk with your mom into the that sea. That would be taken down by TikTok if you said that. Yeah, so, um, mom, that. let's not talk about that. <laughs> uh, my mom literally is the most emo woman alive, but no, uh, I just think that, I think there is, obviously so much that like we can do in our everyday life and yes I really do try to buy secondhand clothing but also like I don't think that like I don't think that I'm like the queen of sustainability because I buy vintage mm-hmm. shit you don't need to like basically like because but also it's like I make so many purchasing decisions that I'm like ashamed of like outside of that that I'm like you right. know That's I'm, like, I'm like I'm not gonna say all these things it's like you just have to like do the best you can and try and like within the limitations that you have like I when I again when I see like moms or like you know people that have children and work and it's like you're putting the burden on them to save the planet for their children which is just like such a, I can't like that is such a fucked up thing to do yeah it is such because that is their that, those are their kids and it's not their fault and it's like I find that to be just so egregious and it makes me so deeply angry for them yeah because if I were a parent and I had kids I don't know if I'd be able to see outside of that yeah because you're at that point you're panic reacting yeah you're panic buying or you're like you're like okay like I'm gonna buy these sustainable diapers that because like the other ones are just so bad and you're just like just because you don't you want your kid to be able to live and have a life and like you know, you want them to have a future and not be fighting over water like, and not be was boiled. Kevin Costner and boiled stuff. Kevin Costner and fucking Waterworld. Is that what it was? <laughs> not the Waterworld water reference. Waterworld. I'm like that. Just literally unlocked a memory in my brain of like my TV in our living room, very staticky. And his webbed feet. Does he have webbed feet? Or hands. 
He's got webs. Oh, he did have webbed hands. And like his dress. I would assume. I would assume he had webbed feet if he had webbed hands. But I feel like I'm now that movie. Lot of lot of plot holes. I don't remember anything about. I was very young when I watched it. About it a lot. I maybe I should think about it more. Maybe you should not. Maybe I should be thinking about Waterworld more. Maybe that's what the problem is here. Everyone listening, do not be like me on this and forget the movie. It was pretty bad. No, but honestly, I will say it's pretty inspiring to me that you are a literal CEO, which I do find to be very interesting because when I need a favor, I ask Charlotte, and I'm like, (laughs) of all the people, why her? Um, But no, I think that it's really kind of cool that you you have created a more healthy work-life balance and I can see it. Like I can actually see it in you in the way that you are engaging in conversation. You seem more delighted. Well, I think also I was in a relationship that was not really serving me or the other person. And, you know, I mean, these things happen like they were great. I'm great. It just did not work out. But I do think that when you kind of close off things that, are not serving you mm-hmm. and that are actually draining you, then it actually gives you a lot more ability to be open to other things. And for me, what I realized that I was burying myself in work and it was absolutely a self-soothing thing. Yeah. And I was buying things and I was doing all these things that really were not healthy. And so I just dump a lot of money into therapy now. I mean, that's honestly, helpful. that's another thing. It's like, I feel like I'm like, I will make a million excuses for myself as to why I haven't found a therapist. Like it's too hard. It's too time consuming. Like it is hard and it is time consuming, but it's like, yeah, but if I just do that, then like you said, level unlocks. Yes. Then it's like, Oh, then I have a more capacity to actually probably be able to do the work that I want to do. Therapy should be free for America. And it also should be a lot easier to find a therapist. Cause that's the thing. It's for me, it's like, again, from a place of privilege, I can afford therapy. It's not about that. It's about, no one is taking new patients. And if they are taking new patients, it's like a very scary looking man. And I don't want to be his patient. Yeah. You're like, I need someone that I feel. I can it's the same prerequisites to. that I have for my doctor is what I have yeah. for my therapist. For, Literally for, <laughs> for my OBGYN and therapist, same prerequisites, really? same prerequisites, very intimate, very intimate. It so is. it's like, I'm looking for someone who I feel like can you understand can me and who can and relate that, to me. And, yeah. Yeah. I was telling Charlotte, I was like, you know, I want them to be a, person of color, but I also don't want them to be Muslim. And it's like, well, you've just eliminated like 50% of doctors. It's like, well, now I don't know about that. Now I, I guess I'm guess Islam- you get, guess you can't go to the doctor. You heard of your first. I'm Islamophobic and I hate medicine. <laughs> that was me nor <laughs> speaking to clarify. I mean, I think people know my voice, but I'm like, it is important to clarify the person who said they were Islamophobic, <laughs> Nur al-Khaldi. And like, don't cut that and send it to your parents. I send it just, just that part to my just parents. Send my just mom, that part. My mom has heard me say that a million times. She would just be like, right. again... She's like, come on. She's you're, you're spread, spreading your anti-Muslim don't propaganda me, don't again. Walk in, don't make me yeah. walk into the ocean. She actually wants me to book an Airbnb for when I go home to visit, and she wants it to be at the beach. And I'm like, you should be on suicide watch because yeah, you did make like, that comment to me that one time. You made, you made that joke, which I really didn't like. It was out. It was actually so funny. I loved it. It was so fucking funny. She's like, is your mom super dry? Yes, she's very sarcastic, very dry. She was like. Do you ever just look at the ocean and just like want to walk into it and keep walking until you can't walk anymore? And then she looks at me and she's like, and I can't swim. And I'm like, mom, I mean, that's, is this a cry for help? No, I feel like your mom could do stand up. Oh, my mom absolutely could do stand up and she would be so annoyed the whole time. She's really brilliant. Yeah. She's like, why are you laughing losers? But she wouldn't say that. She would say something else like, it's interesting that you're laughing. (laughs) 
I would be like, why are you laughing, losers? And she would be like, how fascinating that this amuses you. Um, no, she's very smart and very funny. And she's actually uh, definitely like a cooler version of me that I aspire to be. But again, she has a very unhealthy work-life balance. Very unhealthy. Well, I think that also it's like, this cannot be overstated. It's like the fact that I even get to introspect like this and think like this is because like my parents worked like yeah. asses yeah. off. Yeah. And it's like, you know, ultimately it's like, there's like, again, like another more like newer concept, but like the idea of like even being happy, like I do very much so reject the idea that like humans, like they don't have the right to be happy because I'm like, ultimately it's like, what is, what is literally the point? Like, I feel like that's a scam where it's like, you're just supposed to work hard and then die. Yes. And also I feel like the social contract of like working until you're 60 and then retiring and then enjoying that part has been completely kind of like gutted. Oh no, people are and working so, forever now. And so you're working forever. So then you're like, so you want me to not only, you want that, but only not only want me to be happy and I'm having my whole life. And it's like, so I'm French. And so I really think a lot about like medieval France and like how garbage that time was. The things you think about a lot, I never think about. Like how atrocious that must have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And literally like the only thing that was like worth anything was like going to church because like you were actually looking forward to like dying to go to heaven because you just toiled on like these fucking farms. Wow, medieval French, Palestinians, same thing. Like same thing, (laughs) not the vibe. It's not the vibe. It's not the vibe. And I think what's really fascinating is that like as humans though, it's like we can't even like grow past that where it's like whenever somebody tells you like, oh, just like, and that's why it's like for me, it's like, it's like all labor and all work is like so valuable. Yes. And I think that how we pay labor is so fucked up in this country. Like, I think like for me, it's like, you know, I just find that it's like, if somebody's like cleaning your house, like you have to pay them like yeah. a fuck ton of money. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and if you can't that, afford to pay them, don't hire them. And it's like, or like, or have them come less. Yeah, or something. And, like, that's figure what, out, like, a system. Right, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, if you're not fairly compensating someone for something, which is another weird fear that I have, because I'm yeah. like, I, I remember telling one of my friends how much I would pay an assistant, and she was like, no, that is way too much money. You can't pay. Like, that's crazy. But yeah. I'm just like, I never want to underpay someone. That's, that's the insane. other thing. It's like, I want to pay someone fairly for their time. And I it's don't like, want anyone to be stressed out no, about paying their no, bills or, like, no. raising their kids. And I just, I just feel like the U.S. is, like, so warped and I'm like why do y'all want to be like medieval French people I have no idea but I find like, myself that's not like the goal that's I mean, not the vibe that's not the vibe and I will say like my parents I don't know if your parents were like this but like happiness relaxation enjoyment really not in their vocabulary and I find myself my dad just gets to retire though nice yeah my dad 70 I don't know, my dad was forced into retirement actually because he had open heart surgery mm. at a very young age that no one should be having open heart surgery. He was like 43 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, fun times for my dad. And he was told to retire, so he stopped practicing medicine, but then he never really retired. He would always find some shit to do. Yes. And I think, though, that there is something to be said about like if you really love something and it interests you, then do it. Not like the way that we do it, where yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. every hobby turns into like uh, a monetization. Job. Yeah, it's a job. But it's like I, I do, th- like, I do completely understand that, and like that, like you know, it gives you something to do like, enjoy. But it's just like I think for me, it's like when you see somebody like working like difficult jobs, yes, that are not like enjoyable or enjoyable or anything, yeah. and like we can't have people like we're trying to see like elderly people working. I'm like, this I mean, is my just mom so is sick. in her seventies and she never, she has no, I don't know when she intends on retiring. And it, she literally is just like working hard is kind of the only fulfillment she understands. Mm. And I tell her this all the time. Like, you know, that life isn't about like suffering, right? Like, 
That's, I think, what's difficult yeah. is that if you're, if you're enjoying your life, then it's like, okay, well, you're not, I think I'm going back to productivity. Yeah. It's like, well, what are you doing? Yes. You're so lazy. Yes. No, she, do you, do you know what the, where the origin of the word slut comes from? No. Okay. So girlhood is a great book. Yes. And so slut is actually a term that derives from, I believe it's the UK and it's about being lazy. So it's like, what were they called? Like sluts, pennies or something, but it's like basically, or like sluts coins, but basically the, the bread wasn't fully needed. It would have these little like dough balls uh-huh. in it. And like, that was like sluts coins or something. Like that. I might be, I might be butchering this. I will apologies. never look at dough the same And again. then, or it's like, you know, if you didn't like clean the house properly, like you were being a slut, like you were being lazy. You're being lazy. Why can we not, let's bring that back. And I want to start very using much slut so, in that way. It was very much so, it was all tied around this idea of like women who wouldn't do labor. And I believe there were a couple of terms used for men, but they were like very softened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really interesting to me. And like, when I was reading this, I finished it. I was like, geez, it's that, you know, women that were lazy were called sluts. And then when you finally have some ambition to have some sex, then you're called a slut. Then you're still a slut. You're still a slut. No matter what, you're going to be a slut. That's basically. So you should just probably be a slut. I thought it was so fascinating about how like the the concept of laziness, particularly for women. Yeah, specifically Especially women, women, especially women that have kids and like y'all never rest. Like I, I see moms with kids and like obviously some of them have amazing partners that help but like a large part of the the raising and the burden falls on women especially when they stay home and their partner goes to work and I just all I can say like all I can see is like lack of just like rest yes and like when do you have time for yourself literally I I think about this often because I have siblings who have children so like the thought of having a child present is something that is on my mind and I don't know how I would do anything. Like, sincerely, no. I'm like, I can barely manage the things that I have to do mm-hmm. without a child. So can you imagine it's like with your mom, it's like she had like six. a job and she had six kids and everything. So for her, rest is probably such like a foreign concept. She doesn't know how to do so it. So it's like, for me, I'm like, also, it's like, so we're the first generation where we're actually not making as much money as our parents. Yeah. Can we at least not be miserable? That's the thing. I will say in this time where <laughs> no, I... Not that your parents are miserable. No, no, I'm no. just saying it's like, I, I don't mean, want to work. They're not. They're they're. They're, they're, just don't let her go near the ocean. They're a little emo, but like I will say, that's the other thing. They're super content, and I will say I have inherited that from them in the way where, like, as long as nothing catastrophic is going on, mm-hmm. I'm good, which could be a good, good thing, but also could be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I like to focus on the the good parts of yeah. that. I think for me, it's like I think that there's something really beautiful and like uh, like just doing something just because you want to do it yeah. and not because you think it's going to become something that's profitable. No, a thousand percent. And so that's which what is a, which is an illness. That's what I've been trying to do in this little break that I've been giving myself as far as like producing content and that things of that. So I'm like, I want to do things that I just enjoy doing, mm. but I can't help it in the back of my mind. Keep thinking like, is this going to like inspire me? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yes, I'm not going to produce content, mm-hmm. but like are the, the, the actions I'm taking going to at some point long term inspire me to produce content like it's like a mental you know what illness. though it's like I do take breaks in order to be able to perform I don't know maybe we're all just that's sick. what I'm saying I'm like I'm sick I'm taking a break to perform better at the thing that I'm taking a break from. I don't it's not to like you know speak illy on working obviously I work a lot and like I like We're working I like well I am like I I do read nap ministry a lot and I'm like 
Ministries. Correct on a lot of things. Wait, who's um, Nat Ministry? Nat Ministry. It's um, basically an Instagram. I believe it's run by one woman. I, I'm not sure. It might be run by a collective. But basically, it's about the idea that like capitalism is a scam and rest is actually like your greatest um, protest tool against it nice. because capitalism doesn't want you to rest. They right. want you to output, output, output. And capitalism is what led to neoliberalism, which is the idea mm-hmm. of self-actualization through work, not through life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness is literally in we the people. Yeah. And we don't talk about that ever. And then our parents make fun of us when we talk about being happy. And I'm like, what's well, literally, literally on this document that we have in the yeah. museum. Yeah. So Pursuit of Happiness is one of them. Yeah. So I'm going to do it. You're um, like, so that's what I'm going to do. That's going to be one of the goals. It's going to be on the vision board. And it's, it's also a board. great way to fight the man. Yeah. But so that ministry talks about that. And like, I believe it was a factory worker in China. Um, I can't remember when this news story came out. I believe it was right around COVID. But basically it was a factory worker that like the way that he protested was like, he just like, I'm just going to like rest and like lie down for like a fucking year. I love this man. I mean, no, and it's true. It's like, if everybody just lied down, yeah, like, the world wouldn't run. Did you hear that there was, like, talks of, like, switching the work week to four days a week? Yeah, I actually just listened to, a po- I love the podcast Science Versus, yeah. and so they were talking about the four-day work week, and the reality is, is, like, in all the studies in Iceland, they never actually looked at a four-day work week. They looked at reducing a couple of hours here and there, but from my perspective, it's like, I'm curious on trying, like, look, Summer Fridays. Mm-hmm. Did the world collapse? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. So I'm down with the concept of it, but I think for me, it's like just setting two days where I just like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to get a safe and, and I'm going to give you my phone to somebody and I was then like, friends what are you going to do over, with the safe? And then a friend's going to come over and they're going to put the phone in the safe and they're going to do a code. It's going to be a different code every week. And that's what I want. I don't know that I could do that unless, and that's another idea I've been dabbling with is maybe I get a second phone, Imagine if but you then didn't. I seem like a drug dealer. I'm fine with that. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, I want to be able to like communicate with my family. I yeah. want to be able to take a picture of my cat. But like, yeah. you know what I mean? But like, I, I want one of those like phones that were invented, like the Lumi phone. That's like a basically like a flip Nokia. And so what I've been doing is like turning off like uh, certain notifications on my phone. And um, I, what I end up doing is I, I turn that switch back on. Yeah. Like, it's like, you know, you have like the sleep mode, work mode. I have that set up on my phone where I'm like, okay, I have like personal mode, but then I just, I turn it off because I'm like, I wonder if this company has emailed me back. It's a, it's an addiction. And you know what guys, we're working on it. We're working on it. We have no answers for you. Only suggestions. This episode definitely stressed (sighs) someone out. They're like, I need to buy instant angel. And then also like solve world fucking Everything. Every, literally just everything. everything. Like, everything. Like I think, I think we can all agree war is bad. And war bad. War increases carbon emissions, so they should literally listen to the fucking IPCC report. I've said IPCC report so many times, just because I'm like, everybody... At least read the summary. The summary was really fascinating. I listened to... But there is hope. There is hope. I in, listened, in the report, there's hope. I listened to a podcast. I didn't even read it. I listened to a podcast where... Basically, they kind of uh, reviewed it. Mm -hmm. And also, like, there's so many ways you can understand things. Like, you don't even have to, like, you can find, you can find a way to, like, stay informed Mm -hmm. that makes it less, you know, difficult for you, creates less work. So I listen to it in a podcast form, but it's also, like, I trust this podcast. So I feel comfortable listening to them and knowing that they're not going to, like, you know, reword it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they're going to read it verbatim and then, then give their opinions. But I think that... You know, my takeaway from this is that 
I need to do what feels right and stop forcing myself to, mm-hmm. to, to just do and, things just And as. I think what you said at the very beginning, I'm going to go back to it, be nice to yourself. Yeah. Because honestly, I, I, I've never met a person who is who has anybody be harsher with them than themselves. Yeah. And I think that the self-criticism and constantly picking apart yourself and constantly saying that you're not doing enough, that you're not worth enough, that you're not valuable enough. Well, that is a concept that was largely put into you by white corporate America. So why would you listen to them? Yeah. Here's the thing though. And I'm sure a lot of, I'm like, my thing is, is like, it's not even that I don't think that I'm doing a good job. I actually always think I'm doing a great job. (laughs) My thing is, is I'm like, I could be using my time to be doing more. Yeah, that's do- a scam. To be doing more. Like, like we were talking about earlier, not on the pod, but just like in general, yeah, yeah, we were yeah. talking about beauty standards. Who did beauty standards come from? Yeah, that's White true. corporate America. That's true. So when you're trying to chase a beauty standard, just remember that it's like some like old dudes like that were like smoking like fucking yes. shitty Marlboros. Yeah. yeah. Like not even like a good brand. To say. No, literally. Yeah. Not even, not even, not even decent. And just like saying, how can we get women to buy this product yeah. to make them feel bad about themselves? No, I mean, like beauty standards are incredibly arbitrary. And that's why like I very much, even on the days, and I say this all the time, even on the days where I'm like, I don't like the way my nose looks. A hundred percent. I will like allow myself to feel that, but then also be like, my nose looks like my dad's nose. Yeah. And I really love my dad and I really love his nose. And I've never looked at him once and thought that his nose looked ugly. So mm-hmm. why am I doing that to myself? Oh wait, because of arbitrary beauty standards. Okay. Shut the fuck up. Extremely Eurocentric ones. And the thing is I am Eurocentric and yeah. even I was really like teased a lot for yeah. my nose. Because that's the thing. But I have an Italian nose and it's like, where do Italian got <laughs> Like what yeah. do they mirror? What do they yeah. look like? Yeah. And it's just like, again, it's like these like really exhausting and stringent standards and like what we were talking about before with beauty like just in general it's like such a myopic view and it actually like limits you from actually like seeing more things that are worth seeing and and no and that's the thing like see things like look at other things stop looking at yourself oh god that's the other thing like magnifying mirrors and that's why i took a little bit of break from content because i'm like i can't look at pictures of myself anymore like it was becoming like a weird like not even just a body dysmorphia just like overly analytical and i think that that that's the thing where it's like weird of a generation where we grew up without smartphones anybody that grows up with a smartphone like i honestly feel like they should break the cameras for a minute yeah because it's honestly unsettling how much you see your face yes and also, like that can't be the way your iPhone warps your face. Yeah, you use a front-facing camera, guys. That is warping your fucking face. It like it, it is. literally is the way. Doctor Ranella Hirsch posted a video on the study of it, but it actually like will literally like yeah change what you're. No, if you like. take a picture on your front-facing camera versus even just the camera on the back, it's not going to look the same. And the front-facing camera, the way the lens is structured, is so that it can capture your face while not being that far Mm. so like it's going to warp your face and it makes actually usually the middle of the photo the the pinnacle of the photo so whatever is in the center will be the most like the most dominant and what is that usually your nose i whispered that yeah so are we gonna gonna end on that we are gonna end on that guys love your fucking nose and also and work less take some naps yeah take a nap and do Follow it the nap ministry. And, and tell people that you're protesting by napping yeah Be like this is actually a protest this is actually a form of action is mine yeah resting. you're welcome um i'm just like saving the planet but no charlotte where where first of all wait no where can people buy do 
You can buy dew, but also don't buy dew if you have skincare staring at you on your counter. I like to call. That's true. I like to call my cabinets the mausoleum, just because there's just like all these like the graveyards of products that I'm not using. So please don't buy dew if you have skincare that you haven't used. But you can find dew on dewskin.com. It's D-I-E-U-X. Uh, we like to take French words and butcher them in English. Mais je suis moitié française, alors c'est d'accord. Oh, we should have done a whole episode in French. I mean, no one, would have, no one would have understood, but obviously. I would have enjoyed it. And then, yeah, you can find us at D-I-E-U-X Skin on Instagram, and we're also on TikTok. And then I'm Charlotte, or Charlotte Parlay. Parler is the French word to speak, which obviously I have evidenced here. She can do it. Yeah, at Charlotte Parlay on Instagram and on TikTok. And also, guys legitimately if you need a moisturizer get instant angel and i I was in the campaign and that's not a bias this is like i really i have unused skincare but i have not opened it so it hasn't started expiring so it's fine Mm -hmm. but we cast you after you've been using it for a month we cast you after you've been using it it's true it's true i'd already been using it and i already loved it and i mean honestly i'm gonna say it's better than augustina spader okay guys you can follow the podcast on arab american psycho on instagram you can follow me on Instagram, at Nori, where, you know, right now, I'm really just sharing photos of cats. So if you don't like cats, well, then I don't like you. Don't forget to floss your teeth, wear your sunscreen. Don't be an asshole. Talk to you next week. Bye.